Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke this morning, the first chapter. Gospel of Luke, the very first chapter. We're going to be picking up uh, in uh, verse 26 this morning. And uh, I want to, we're going to kind of move around a little bit. Uh, I want to speak to you. In, uh, in years past, I have uh, taken three or four weeks and uh, and uh, preached a series of messages on some of the various uh, folks involved in the story of Christmas, the wise men, the shepherd, Mary, Joseph, Herod, uh, different uh, ones. Uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to breeze through all of them real quick. Uh, I want to speak to you uh, on uh, the characters of Christmas. Uh, and to be honest, I probably should say some of the characters uh, of Christmas because we don't have uh, time really for, uh, for all of them uh, this morning. Uh, but uh, as we pick up uh, in, uh, in this passage, I, we're going uh, to look at these characters uh, this morning. And what I want us to, to notice, uh, there are some lessons uh, that we learn from each one. So we're going to look at four basically today. We're going to look at Mary, Joseph, uh, the wise men, and the shepherds. Um, and each one of them uh, teaches us, I think, uh, a lesson uh, about living for the Lord. Uh, but uh, when we get done, uh, we're going to discover uh, that there is one uh, overarching theme between all four uh, of, uh, of these people, the, uh, or groups of people, Mary, Joseph, uh, and the shepherds, and the wise men. Uh, there is, uh, again, each one uh, particular lesson, but then uh, as we, uh, after we get done, I want to wrap it up uh, by talking about the the main lesson uh, that we learn uh, from uh, from all four. Um, so this morning, as uh, we begin, we're going to be picking up in uh, verse 26. You you know this passage. This is typically uh, the the scripture we read when we are uh, when we are reading. Uh, the story of Christmas and uh, that uh, in uh, the sixth month it tells us about uh, God going and, and the, sending the angel uh, to speak to, uh, to Mary uh, and to tell her uh, that she was going to have uh, this child. He comes to her and says, uh, you're, you're highly favored, you're blessed, uh, and the Lord is with you. And, uh, and uh, just to paraphrase uh, uh, a long passage of Scripture there, you remember the story. Uh, Mary says, how can, uh, how can this be? Uh, how can I possibly have a child uh, seeing that I've never known a man? Uh, and uh, she is informed that the Spirit uh, will come upon her, uh, and she will conceive, and she will have a child, uh, and she will call his name Jesus. And so the first person uh, that we meet um, is, other than Jesus, I suppose, uh, we would call her the star uh, of the show, and that would be uh, Mary herself. And so uh, as we uh, look at this, uh, the first thing that we have in this story then, 
uh, is uh, the virgin's conception. Uh, and let's be very clear uh, when we read that and, and hear that. Uh, I realize this morning that many of you uh, who are here have no question uh, about that statement, but there are uh, those uh, out there uh, who actually question uh, what that means and, uh, and uh, would even bring into doubt uh, this whole story uh, of the conception uh, of Jesus Christ. Let's uh, clear this up uh, right out of the gate and understand that uh, in every context, uh, in every uh, aspect uh, of the word virgin, whether it's in English uh, or whether it is in the original language, it means virgin. Uh, it means a woman who has not uh, known a man uh, intimately. There, there's no, uh, no, no question, no uh, issue whatsoever uh, about, uh, about that uh, with, with anybody with, uh, with any, any reasonable, uh, any amount of reason whatsoever uh, does not question that. And, uh, however, we don't live in a world where everybody uh, is reasonable. Uh, and so we see then this virgin's conception. Uh, and, and again, uh, that is, uh, there's a couple of lessons uh, that I want us to, to pull from, uh, from this statement as we look uh, at what she says. If you look down uh, as the angel is addressing, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, as the angel is addressing uh, Mary in verse 36, he tells her uh, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power uh, of, uh, of the Most High will, will overshadow you uh, and a child will be born uh, called the Son of God. And behold, uh, your Elizabeth, um, it will, uh, your cousin uh, will also have a child. But verse 37 uh, says this, For nothing shall be impossible with God. Uh, the first lesson that we learn uh, from these characters is, uh, is that statement that nothing uh, is impossible uh, with God. Uh, this morning, as, uh, as uh, we have uh, already this morning uh, had, uh, had uh, many of you uh, standing up and, and testifying and sharing uh, your story, what I, what I want to say to you this morning is that, that, that nothing is impossible with God. Uh, as we enter, uh, we passed a church this morning uh, on the way, uh, way in, uh, and they had uh, 100 and, uh, 121 cattle, was that what it was, 121? Uh, 121 uh, chairs sitting out uh, on their front yard on a sign uh, that said, uh, you know, 121 uh, Cabarrus County lives lost. Uh, to COVID. There was a chair there uh, for each person. But uh, and as I thought about that, I thought, uh, you know, that's bad, but uh, how many more chairs could be there uh, for all the other uh, empty chairs? But uh, as Debbie has pointed out, and uh, as we've heard this morning, uh, it is not impossible. Uh, God can comfort uh, a grieving soul. Uh, God can uh, place a, uh, a, a child uh, in a mother's womb uh, when the doctors say it cannot happen. God can save a, a lost soul, uh, that child, that son, that daughter, that grandchild uh, that you're praying for, uh, that others may have given up hope, that others say there may be nothing that 
can uh, be done. God can still save that child, can still save that soul, and can still transform a life. God still can do those things. He is still uh, on the throne. I realize today uh, that when we watch the news and when we look uh, on the television and we read the paper, uh, that it often appears uh, that God has uh, taken a sabbatical, that God uh, has taken a back seat, uh, and that evil... Uh, is running rampant. And I, uh, I assure you, just as Scripture says, Satan is roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He is still uh, a liar and a murderer. But God is still on the throne. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. I want to tell you something this morning. We're li- Go ahead. Give God a clap. I don't... I, I, y'all surprised me. I'm not used to that. I, here, listen. We, we look around and, and, and uh, Randy and I were talking earlier. Uh, we're, we're in the middle. Uh, I don't even know if you call this the middle. It seems to be getting worse. Uh, we have a, a, a disease that uh, is sweeping across our nation that is affecting uh, anyone and everyone. And, and the only thing so far uh, we've got for defense is a piece of cloth. Uh, you know, uh, in the greatest nation in the world in 2020, this is what stands between you uh, and, and a pandemic. Uh, that tells you something about uh, about the power of man. Uh, that when it comes to man uh, and dealing with things, the best they can come up with is the three W's. Anybody else going to be glad when the three W's are gone? You know what the three W's are? What? Let's see. Wash your hands. Wait six feet apart and wear a mask. Yeah, that's the best we've came up with. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I, I know there's a vaccine. I'm reserving judgment. I don't know about it yet. Yeah, but the best we've come up with. But here's what I want to tell you. In a day when the finest scientists in the world, the best they can come up with are three W's. When the best, the finest scientists in the world can come up with is a mask. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. Let me share with you, I asked you a while back uh, to, to, to pray and, and, uh, for uh, Don Davis. Some of y'all uh, remember Don. Don is 84 years old. By all the metrics, by everything, um, Don should have not survived COVID. He shouldn't have, by any of the measurements, anything. But through the prayers of God's people here, probably in another few weeks, Don will be home. Listen, God, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, that doesn't mean God intervenes in every situation. I'm just saying, never forget, God is still on the throne. If God could come over Mary, listen, I didn't do, uh, you know, by far, my best subject in school was math. I can math with the best of them. I, I can't. Now, once you start throwing letters in there, I'm done. I don't do letters in my numbers. They don't belong there. I, asked, you know, I, I said, I can either read or I can count. Let's not do both. You know, I don't like n- numbers in my letters. You know, they just don't belong mixed up together. I can math. I did all right in biology, but I know this. There is by no standard, by no measurement within man's power, the ability to do what God did in Mary's life. 
Some of you this morning, we could, I could stop right here and turn that microphone back on and say, let's try that again. And I could get you to go back to that microphone and we could line up and say, there have been, these are times in my life when man said it couldn't be done, when the doctor said it shouldn't be done, when the doctor said it won't be done. And God did it. With God, nothing shall be impossible. But I want you to see the second lesson we learn uh, from Mary as we look at this. And the Bible says this. Here's the key lesson, I think, uh, from Mary in verse 38. Mary says, when, when, when the angel says nothing shall be impossible with God, here's the deal breaker. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the God, uh, of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. Mary says, Okay. Listen. That's not the King James Version, I know. But Mary says, okay. Can I tell you something? A whole lot of Christians' lives would be transformed if they would learn the spiritual technique of saying okay to God. When God said to Abraham, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him, Abraham said, spiritually speaking, okay. When God said to Mary, you're going to have a child, I know it makes no sense, I know it makes no scientific logic, I, I know nothing about it makes sense, but I can do it, she says, okay. Listen, when, when, God said, when, when Christ said to Peter, get out of the boat, he said, okay. Yeah, over and over. But now, we also have examples of men like Jonah, who when God said go to Nineveh, he said, nope. And you know the results. Listen, I can't write a book on it. There's not enough there. One chapter, okay. That'd be the chapter to my book, okay. Learning the spiritual power of saying okay. Of agreeing with God. That when God says go, we go. When God says do, we do. When God says stand, we stand. When He says sit, we sit. And whatever God says, we look at Him and say, because with you nothing is impossible, I will say okay. Doesn't that make sense? If with God nothing is impossible, then shouldn't I get in line with whatever it is He's doing? You know what I've discovered in my own life? That with Jimmy, practically nothing is possible. But with God, nothing is impossible. So whose team do you want to be on? That's pretty much a no-brainer, you would think. And so Mary simply looks at the angel and says, and that's, again, that's not the King James Version or the English Standard or any other version, that's Jimmy's version. Mary looks at the angel and says, okay. You want me to have a baby? Okay. Listen, I can only imagine. I, I, I don't know if I've told y'all this over the years or not. Let me tell you something scary. Malia was supposed to be a twin. Two Malias. I am being nice. That is nice. Uh, yeah. Two Malias. I was somewhere between here and Anderson, South Carolina. I don't even know. 
Remember back in the day to them great big old bag phones you had to look around on, you know, you know, but, but them things. I had my, my bag phone laying in, in, in my company car, and I'm breezing up 85. I probably was speeding. And I answered the phone. I knew Rhonda was, we knew she was pregnant, but she calls me, and she says, I answered the phone, and she had been to the doctor, and she says, it's twins. Uh, you know. <laughs> I can only imagine the shock Mary went through. She's a teenager. And in that day, you didn't come up pregnant. You came up pregnant, then you came up dead if you wasn't married. That was just the way it worked. And Mary mustered up the faith as probably a 15, 16-year-old girl to look at God in the face of something biologically, scientifically impossible, legally unallowed, and says, okay. Folks, that's faith. That's faith. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, if you'll just learn to look at God and say, okay, I promise you, your life will be changed. I promise you you have a different world. We see the virgin's conception. You see, the second thing we see in this passage is the fiancé's commitment. You can turn there if you like, but Joseph's story is actually in the first chapter of Matthew. I'm just going to reference it. I'm not going to turn there. You know the story. Joseph is like most husbands. He's the last to know. Joseph, he, uh, he finds out after the fact. And Joseph has an option, if you look, uh, again, it's in uh, about the 19th verse of chapter 1. In that day and age, in that time, Moses has an option, or Joseph, whoever he was. Joseph has an option. They had, he was, when you were engaged in that time, you were more like married in our time. When you were engaged, it was pretty well a binding legal deal. And for Mary now to come up pregnant, Joseph had the option of what the Bible calls delicately putting her away. That was his choice. And as Mo Joseph or Moses, Moses was his middle name. How's that? <laughs> That's a little biblical secret you didn't know about. <laughs> As Joseph sat contemplating what he's going to do. And I believe Joseph genuinely loved Mary. But he's got a problem. Again, we're, we're talking about a different culture and a different time. This was not something that was accepted or allowed in that time. Was it culturally okay? And Joseph knew that for him to proceed with the marriage, um, he, was, uh, he was going uh, to be the subject of ridicule. There were all kinds of different uh, ways of punishing. 
uh, a, a young lady uh, in, in that time who uh, came up pregnant in that uh, in, in that time. Listen, uh, in uh, in Egypt, they cut off the nose of what was considered adulterous. Cut off her nose was the punishment. In Persia, they cut off the nose and the ears. Those are the kinds of punishments that took place during that uh, that time. And as they go along, uh, again, Joseph had that option. And yet Joseph, as he hears from God, God tells him, the angel speaks to Joseph and says to him, It's all right, Joseph. It's all right, Joseph. You go ahead. And you know what Joseph says? Come on, pay attention. Joseph says, Okay. Joseph says, I'll marry her anyway. I'll raise that child. I'll raise that child that I know is not mine. I'll raise that child. I'm going to accept this story that Mary gives me. Mary says that she is conceived of God, uh, that she has not uh, been with another man. I'm going to accept that story, and I'm going to commit myself to raise a child that I know is not mine, to love a lady, to marry a woman who I know is carrying a child that is not mine. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what He told me to do. Fiance, her conception. The virgin's conception, the fiance's commitment, the shepherd's calling. If you keep going from Luke chapter 1 to Luke chapter 2, and it's a good little turn over there because Luke chapter 1's a long chapter. But if you keep going to Luke chapter 2, and you get to verse 8, we read that story where it says, and again in the same country, where shepherds abiding in the field. And you know the story. The angels appeared there. Uh, the angel of the Lord and shone about them. And the angel says, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That will be for all people. The shepherds look around at each other. And they say, Let's go find the baby. Let's go find the baby. A couple lessons from the shepherds. The shepherds were the very lowest. Nobody would have expected if the announcement of the Messiah was coming, it wasn't coming to the shepherds, it was coming to the high priest. It was coming to the governor. It was coming to the wealthy. But no, the Bible tells us that uh, from the beginning that the announcement of Jesus Christ came to the lowest. About the, low, about the only way you could go lower than the shepherd was to be a leper and a shepherd. That was about a, as low as you could go. The shepherds were outcast in society, and yet those are the very ones that God came to with this announcement. I was told many years ago when I first started preaching, and I haven't always done it. I, I, I've tried. It's been my aim. Uh, said you pre and please don't take offense. I'm just, I'm repeating what I was told. I was told many years ago. Said you preach to the dumbest man in the church, and everybody else will figure it out. 
But if you preach to the smartest one, you're going to miss most people. Jesus wasn't announced to the smartest. He wasn't announced to the elite. He was announced to the shepherds. You know what that says for you and I? That says that he came for all. For God so loved the world. There is no one beneath and no one above the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You're here this morning. You're watching us. You're joining us online. We appreciate that. I want you to know something this morning. You may be sitting there thinking, God can't love me. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He proved it when he made the announcement to the shepherds. He approved, he's shown uh, right there in that story that he came uh, to the lowest. He came for everyone. Had, had this been left up to man, Jesus would have been born uh, in, in, in Mount Sinai Memorial Hospital and no one would have been there but the finest neonatal surgeons and the governor uh, and the leaders and the high priest. But Jesus was born in a manger, born among the animals, born to the lowliest, announced to the outcast so that you and I could know that God loves you. The shepherds, you see their story. But then the second story, look in, as you continue looking at that, look in verse 15 of the shepherd's story. When the angels went away, the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened. You know what the shepherds said after the announcement? Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Now, you and I may see that, and you may think, well, what's the big deal? The shepherds went to see Jesus. Shouldn't they have went to see Jesus? Wouldn't that be what you'd expect them to do? It's absolutely what I would expect them to do. But I want to remind you, part of the message, one of the characters, some of those that I'm not going to talk about, or wasn't planning on talking about, but here I go, are the religious people. And in a moment, we're going to see that when the wise men arrived in, in, uh, in, into Jerusalem, and they said, we've heard that the king has been born, the high priest said, oh yeah, we've, we, we, we've read the book. He's supposed to be down at Bethlehem. And I've always asked myself one question when I read that story. If the high priest, if the religious people knew that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, what in the world were they doing in Jerusalem? Why weren't they down there looking... For the Messiah. So see, it is unusual for the shepherds to get up and go. The religious leaders didn't even bother themselves to go find the Messiah. But the shepherds, like Joseph, like Mary, took the high spiritual road of saying, Okay. Final group I want you to look at. Probably the most misunderstood group. The wise men. Pretty much every nativity scene you've ever seen, probably including that one, are wrong. In all likelihood, by the wise, by the time the wise men arrived to see Jesus, he was a toddler. The wise men didn't make it the night Jesus was born. Remember, where did the, we, we know the wise men were firemen because they came from where? Afar. There you go. You know. They drove a Honda. Why? Because they came in on a cord. One accord. We know the wise men couldn't have been there the night Jesus was born, but they got there as soon as they could. 
I like what Shirley Coleman used to say about getting, getting down south. She said she was born in New York, but she got here just as soon as she could. The wise men, they got there just as soon as they could. We see the virgin's conception, the fiancé's commitment, the shepherd's calling, the wise men's conviction. In Matthew chapter 2, go back there. And when the wise men arrived in town, they went to Jerusalem, which would be the natural place one would expect to find the Messiah, the Son of God being born, the capital. Again, among the religious in Mount Sinai Memorial Hospital. So they go to Jerusalem, and they ask around, and they say, have you seen Jesus? We've, we've seen his star, and we want to meet Jesus. And they say, oh yeah, the book says he'll be born in Bethlehem. And if you remember the story, Herod the Nasty, Herod was a murderer. He, he was a, 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 I don't even know all the good words to describe Herod. He, he killed his own family. He killed, he, he killed everybody pretty much. He, he said, hey, tell you what, you go find him and come back and tell me because I want to worship him. And we know the truth. Herod wanted to kill him. Herod wanted to kill him so bad that eventually he was sent, when the wise men didn't return, he would send out a decree to tell, uh, to have all the, the boys under two years old killed. That's another reason we know that Jesus was a toddler by the time the wise men arrived because uh, Herod didn't kill the babies, he killed them under two years old. And so the wise men, they make their way and they take their gifts. By the way, we don't know that there were three wise men. We know that there were three gifts. You know, we know there was more than one because men is plural. We don't know that there was more than two. We don't know that there was three. We know there were three gifts. One might have carried two. It might have been seven, and some of them didn't have a gift. Who knows? But the wise men get there, and the Bible says that they worship Jesus. And they get ready to leave. And they've been instructed by Herod, the most powerful man in the land, come back and tell us, tell me where he is. But the Bible says that they went home, they departed another way, having been led by God. And so the wise men, when led by God to return, they have an option. They can go back to Herod and tell Herod where the baby is, or they can be obedient to God and go home a different way. And the wise men said, Okay. If I come up with enough characters in this story, y'all going to figure this out. They say, okay. Okay. Each of these four characters, Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, they all teach us some things. They all teach us different lessons. They teach us faith, they teach us commitment, they teach us all kinds of things. But one thing that all four teach us is obedience. 
All four teach us the power of obedience. I, I, I don't know how to do this, but can you imagine for a moment the difference in the story had any one of these four not said, okay. You say, well, it wouldn't have been too big a deal if the wise men wouldn't have said okay. Yeah, it would. Because the wise men went back to Persia. The wise men went back to another country. They were our first foreign missionaries. Do you think they went back and didn't tell people about Jesus? The reason the gospel ended up in some of the places it did as quickly as it did and spread was because of the wise men who went back and told their story. You say, well, what if the shepherds wouldn't have said, okay? Well, then most likely a bunch of poor folks like me and you may have never heard the story. What if Joseph wouldn't have said, okay? What if he would have chosen as his option to put Mary away? What if Mary would have said, no, no thank you? Here's my point. You never know when God speaks to your heart, when God leads you, when God calls you. You never know how big a difference your okay could make. You never know the repercussions of your disobedience. What if the wise men would have went back to Herod? What if the shepherds wouldn't have came to see Jesus? I don't know. The story may have turned out just exactly the same. I don't know. And that's my point this morning, is we don't know the consequences of disobedience. We don't know the consequences of disobedience. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I know he doesn't mind, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use him for a minute. Larry over here. Several years ago, you all know now, God spoke to Larry and said, I want you to sit out here and pray. What if Larry would have said no? Now, there's been some great stories, some things happened, but I would submit to you there's probably been some things happened with the people who stopped in and Larry had a chance to pray with and witness to that we don't know. That we'll never know on this earth, in fact. We also don't know what would have happened if Larry would have said, Lord, it's cold out there. It's hot out there. I can't do that. 
You never know the consequences of not saying okay to God. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. This morning you're here, you're online, you know Christ is your Savior. You know Him personally. Is there disobedience in your life? Is God calling you and speaking to you? Are you saying okay? Or are you saying wait a while? Maybe you're even saying, no thank you, Lord. You need to kneel this morning. You want to come to the front. You want to kneel where you are and say, Lord, teach me to say okay. Teach me to be obedient. Help me to be obedient. I want to be obedient, but Lord, sometimes it's hard to do. Sometimes we feel like those wise men. We're torn. They had an option of obeying the most powerful, influential man of the day, or they had an option of obeying God. But this morning you're here, you're watching, and you don't know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart. He's tugging at your heart. Drawing you, telling you you need to accept Christ. You need to be saved. You know, this morning you can tell him okay, or you can tell him no thanks. The problem is you don't know the consequences of telling him no. You don't know the consequences of turning him down. You may walk out the doors of this building. You may turn off this Internet broadcast never to have the opportunity to hear the gospel again. This may be your last day on this earth. You may be one of those empty chairs up there in front of that church representing those that are dead. We may have your funeral before Christmas Day. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed another breath. Oh, please, please, please. Don't say no to the Holy Spirit today. Don't turn him down. If he's drawing you, calling you to be saved, don't worry about who sees you. Don't worry about what people will say about you. Let today be the day you say okay to Jesus Christ. You want to come? You want to, you, you want to pray here? You want me to pray with you? If you're online, email, comment, something, give me a call. Be glad to talk with you and tell you how you can know Jesus Christ. Today is the day to say okay as we stand together. God asking you to do? Will you say okay? All right, Lord. I see Mary. I see Joseph. I see the shepherds. I see the wise men. 
world was changed by their obedience. The world was changed by their obedience. take care of a couple of things uh, since this is the only time uh, that I see you. Caleb, if you would, you can stop the recording, please, sir.